Well, hey, listen, we're starting a brand new series today entitled No Big Deal because I think there's a lot of things that we at times allow into our life that we participate in that sometimes we celebrate that we overlook, that we minimize, and in reality, even though we feel like it's no big deal, even though the culture we live in will tell you, hey, it's no big deal, I just believe that there are some things that we need to take a look at and we need to address because contrary to what we say, contrary to what we feel, and contrary to what culture says, there are some things that are a very big deal. And so I want to introduce you to one scripture that's going to drive this entire series for the next four weeks, including today. We're going to tackle four kind of issues I think happen in a lot of our lives. But here's the scripture I want you to see. Again, we're going to reintroduce this every week. It's found in the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon, just before we read the verse, is a picture between two lovers, between a husband and a wife. But more than that, it's kind of this overarching picture as us as believers, we are known as the bride of Christ. Together, like we are God's beloved, and he's our husband. And so it really is a picture throughout the Song of Solomon of our relationship with God. And so here's a scripture. Come on, everyone read this with me. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. For the grapevines are blossoming. Now, that might sound kind of strange to you, but let me just say and talk about what this means. So, obviously, again, picture in your mind huge uh, grapevines and vineyards. And if just one little fox, I mean, it just seems so small, such a cute little innocent animal getting on the inside of a huge vineyard, really, like what damage could it do? Well, the picture is that if just a little fox gets into a vineyard, it can do a lot of damage. It can really limit the potential. It can limit the profitability of that vineyard. So you got to get in. you got to deal with the little foxes. you got to deal with the animals. Think about rabbits in your, in your gardens. Think about, uh, you know, think about groundhogs on your property. They take, they're so small, but they can destroy your property. And so God's kind of saying this, hey, the little foxes, the little things, the, the things that look like they don't matter, the things that kind of are kind of small and insignificant, you need to deal with them because they're going to ruin the vineyard. Now, let me just talk about this for a minute because when the Bible talks about our life as Christ followers, when you look at the New Testament, there's a word that's used a lot. It's used over and over. It's this word fruit. Everybody shout fruit. It's, it's kind of the word fruit kind of means like this, this impact that God has in and on our life. That when you open up your life to Christ, your life begins to change. Your character and how you carry yourself and how you deal with situations begins to change. And so that's kind of the fruit, the, the way Bi the Bible says that it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That, that all of a sudden we have patience that we didn't have. That all of a sudden we have love that maybe we didn't have before. That we're, you know, uh, that we're able to have more joy than we had. And so God kind of starts working in us, but this is so big and this is key to this series. That contrary to what some people say, well, you know, my religion is personal to me. Well, the problem with that is the Bible. Because when we have an encounter with God, it shouldn't just impact us, it should impact people around us. And so the fruit that we have that the Bible talks about isn't just fruit inside of us, but it's the way our testimony. Come on, everybody. It's the way our life, it's the way we carry ourselves influences the people that we're in relationship with. In fact, I would say it this way, that your relationship with Christ should not only influence the heart within you, but the hearts around you. That 
when we get into a relationship with Christ, that he not only does things in us, but he does things through us. So today, as we step into this topic of no big deal, and we address some of these things throughout this series, I just want you to remember that, that you might be here, and you might think, well, that's really no big deal for me. But maybe some of these things we're going to talk about is a huge deal that's limiting your influence and impact for people around you. And so we're going to jump in today. Let me ask just a couple questions. When, uh, how, do you, how do you respond to somebody when you meet them for the first time? When you have kind of that initial sit down, uh, maybe it's a first date or you're building kind of, you met a new friend at work and you're having that first conversation. What is it that you say to them? What do you say to people when your back's against the wall? What is it that you tell people when you're trying to close the deal? What do you tell people when you're trying to impress them? What are the words that come out of your mouth when you feel like you got to say something to somebody? Is it possible that the words that you're speaking are a misrepresentation, a falsification? Is it possible that sometimes when you speak and when I speak, that we're not really speaking the truth, but we're speaking lies? Now, I'm just here to talk about kind of this, again, it's, everybody shout, no big deal. We think that it's no big deal, that, you know, lying's really no big deal. But when you ask the question, how do you respond to the situations in life of relationships and dealing with conflict and closing business deals, what we find in culture overall is that it's a huge deal. In fact, in a book, it's called The Day America Told the Truth, it says this, in a lot of the, uh, a lot of the interviews done, a lot of the testing done, here's what we found in America, is that 91% of people lie on a regular basis when it comes to things that they consider kind of not very consequential. So everyday conversations, 91% of people lie on a regular basis. Now, if you not, don't think that's a big deal, 36% of people admitted that they lied when it comes to really important things. In fact, when, when it comes to lying to really important things, they went on and said that 87% of students and, and, and teenagers lie to their parents. 78% Think about these numbers. 78% of people lie to their boss. 75% of people lie to their friends. 72% of people lie to their siblings. 69% of people lie to their spouse. Now, this is, you know, from a bunch of liars, so I don't even know if we can believe that. But <laughs> now I know when it comes to lying to your spouse, it's easy to blow things off. You know, like when your wife asks you, hey, you know, does this dress make me look fat? I mean, come on, guys, how are we supposed to answer that? Here's the worst answer you could possibly give is, not as fat as the dress you wore yesterday made you look. Woo! Don't want to say that one. But here's the thing. In a, in a corrupt culture of lying, where so many people easily admit to lying in everyday situations, in everyday conversations, in the relationship to their employer, to their spouse, to their friends, in the corrupt culture of lying that we're in today, I think that there is no more profound or relevant scripture than found right here in the book of Psalm. And it says this in Psalm 52, verse 3. You love evil more than good and lies more than truth. Isn't that crazy? Think about how much, as a culture, we lie. And the funny thing is, when we say lie, we kind of downplay it, right? We just don't say we lie, if you would even admit to that. We just call it a little, come on, say it, a little white lie. It's just a little white lie. It's just a little white lie. Isn't it funny how we color that sin? I've never any, heard anybody talk about a purple affair. 
I don't think it's really when we use that term, little white lie, I don't think we're color-coding our sin. I think what it is is we're taking that word white that represents innocence, you know, and we're trying to tag it on. If we just said, hey, I'm a liar, well, that's offensive, and nobody wants to be known as a liar. Nobody wants to be a liar. Let's be honest, nobody wants to deal with a liar. But say, well, it's just a little white lie. We, we really try to downplay it. I would challenge you to use kind of that same terminology. Like, try that on your spouse. Hey, it's just a small, innocent affair. When you get, when, when the police bust you, just tell them, just say it was, an, it was just an insignificant, blameless robbery. Like, all of a sudden, you know, those words really don't help guard it very well. And I know sometimes we get creative in our lying, don't we? I, I can remember times. <clears throat> I can remember times when I when I was growing up. You know, sometimes I'd be at my grandmother's house and sh- the phone would ring. Right, the phone would ring, and she didn't want to talk to the person that she knew that she was calling. So here's what she would do: she'd hurry up and she would run outside on the porch, close the door and the screen door, be like, "Okay, go ahead and answer it now." And you'd answer it, and you know, t- tell him I just stepped out. <laughs> okay, I mean that's kind of right. Uh, we have some friends that are evangelists. They travel all over from church to church, and, you know, people try to be gracious to them in the churches and, you know, bake things for them and make things for them. And I don't know about you guys, but, you know, there's a lot of people that have been very gracious and generous to me here. But there's sometimes when you don't know people, you don't know how clean they are. You don't know if you want to eat everything they made. I mean, it's a nice gesture, but I don't know if I want to eat your cat hair. And so you're just not sure. And so they kind of got burnt a couple of times eating people's like home baked goods. And so they made a decision. Every time they would go to a new church for a week of revival meetings, the first thing they would do is they would go into the hotel, they would empty out the trash can, they would get, a, they would get tape, and they would spell out in the bottom of the trash can the spot. And then when someone would give them a pie or give them some brownies or give them whatever it was, and then later they would say, hey, how are those brownies? They'd say, boy, they sure hit the spot. How was that cake? Whoo, boy, it sure hit the spot. So we can get creative in, in our lying. We can, we can downplay it. But here's the thing. Listen, guys, I, here's what God says. Here's what God says in his word about this issue. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 6. Every voice read these with me. There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things that he detests. Read them with me. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. I want you to notice that God says, hey, there's seven things. Like, there's just seven things that I consider unacceptable. There are seven things that impacts my relationship with you. There are seven things that I look down on. And out of the seven things, notice that two of them have to do with verbal dishonesty. Two of them have to do with the words that come out of our mouth that are not true but are false, that are not righteous but are unrighteous. And so, you know, while we live in a culture that downplays it, while we live in a society that really says it's no big deal, and if we're honest here today in, in, a, in a worship center this large, with almost a 1,000 people right here, there is no doubt, probably in the last week, that probably a majority of you in this room, in conversations, in business deals, in situations, in relationships, maybe didn't tell the whole truth. And so we just got to kind of ask ourselves, like, what's going on? Well, there's some reasons that we lie. I'm going to give you four of them real quick, four reasons that we lie. First of all, there's profit lying. Profit lying is when you're trying to 
close the business deal, when you're trying to get ahead in the corporation, when you're trying to get the promotion, when, when you're trying to make sure that everything goes your way, kind of we're trying to do whatever it takes to get the profit, to get the paycheck, to get the promotion, to get the deal. In fact, one study was done and they found this, that 52% of resumes that people submit to jobs are not true. They lie about their education. They lie about their work experience. They lie about their promotions. They're doing everything they can with their words to try to make sure they get the job. So a lot of us in this room, maybe some of you here, maybe, right, you have car lots or you have businesses or you have insurance agencies or you have whatever business that you have, you know, you feel like, well, I just, I'm going to stretch the truth. I'm going to bend the truth a little bit because I want to make sure that I get the business. And if that's you, you're kind of driven by this thing called profit line. Here's another one is power lying. People who are power liars are people that try to make themselves look good at the expense of other people. Hey, did I tell you who I know? Did, it tell you, did I tell you about who I met? And when they say they met them, like they're friends with them, right? People try to make themselves sound important, like they have big relationships with important people. Like you'll never, you'll never guess who I know. You'll never guess who I'm related to. And like they stretch it and bend it when they say they know them. It means like they've seen them on the other side of an airport. I've seen them one time. But we, we're about power lying. We're about doing whatever it takes to position ourselves to make it seem like and to make us feel like that we're, not only just we're important, but we're more important than anybody else, right? You've heard the people at work. Like every time they're talking, they're lying because they just want to make everybody think how important they are, how powerful they are. Not only is there power lying, here's another one that we are guilty of is praise lying. Praise lying. Now, this is, this is common with a lot of people, but especially when you're younger, like it's, we feel this pressure to fit in. We feel this pressure to be accepted by our peers, right? I mean, it's, it is natural. We feel this pressure like, you know, we have, to, we have to be included. And so, you know, we don't, we don't have what other people have, and we don't, we've not done what other people have done. And so we'll lie. We'll bend the truth. We'll stretch the truth. We'll do whatever we can to make sure that we have the admiration in the acceptance of people around us. So, like, we'll just tell people whatever it is we think they want to hear so they'll include us in their club and in their clique. Think about it. I, I can remember as I was preparing for this, like, I can remember honestly as a kid, like, I, was, I look back, I was guilty of this a lot, of, like, just saying what I felt like people wanted to hear so they would like me more. And so in this room, some of you in this room, like, you feel like, I just got to, I got to matter. I got to fit in. And so you're willing to say whatever you need to say in class, in your sorority, in your fraternity, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, to try to feel like you matter. Here's, you know, so these, these things are so, they're so big. We struggle with them. We deal with kind of these different types of lying. And as we go through these, guys, I want you to know, there's one that's not listed here, but protective lying. <laughs> Everybody in this room probably is guilty of protecting lying. Protective lying is, what do you say when the heat is on? What do you say when the, when the temp is turned up a little bit by the boss, when you're late again and he asks you, hey, why are you late? And some of you have had so many flat tires, you should take out stock in Goodyear. I had a flat tire. You have not had a flat. You lie like a rug. You know, you lost your homework yet again. You didn't turn in your paper, and it's late because your grandmother died. Let me ask you a question. How many grandmothers do you have? You know, so every time the heat is turned on, 
Every time we're late for something, every time we, we miss the mark, every time we don't achieve and people ask us, like we, instead of just being honest, like, hey, I just didn't do the homework. Hey, I didn't feel like getting out of bed, so I hit the snooze a couple times. Like we feel like we got to tell people, we got to stretch the truth and bend it because we got to protect ourselves. Now I'm going to hang here for a minute because this is so important. You know, sometimes maybe we just need to be honest, really all the time, but here specifically in the context of protective lying, because the, Lord, the more you protect yourself from negative behavior, the less likely you are to ever change. If you just keep covering your, for yourself that you're late for work and late for school, the issue isn't that your boss has too much pressure on you or your teacher puts too much pressure on you. The problem is you're lazy. And lying is our way of covering flawed character and so think about it what is the reason that you lie what's the thing that drives you to say the things that you say that you know aren't true the pressure you feel to bend and to shift here's what I found is I spent time and there are so many scriptures in fact the topic of lying and deception and dishonesty I'm telling you Scripture is proliferated with them over and over and over. You read the book of Proverbs and you find about every eighth or ninth verse has to deal with our honesty, has to deal with the words coming out of our mouth, being of integrity and being character, and how God looks down on those who slander their neighbor. And, you know, one of the commandments, right? Come on, we know some of the Ten Commandments. One of the commandments is not to bear false witness. So God gives the Big Ten. Think about this. God could have said anything in the Big Ten, and one of the Big Ten is don't lie. And here we are as a culture, minimizing the very thing that God says is a very big deal. Here's, here's when you think about it, when you think about praise lying, protective lying, when you think about profit lying and power lying, here's what I found out is, I want everybody to write this thing down, is that it's fear is what drives the lies. Everybody say that. Fear is what drives the lies. If you think about in every situation, in every circumstance that you've lied in, it's because on some basic level, like you felt fear, and the way you addressed it, the way you got out of the situation of feeling fear, is you covered it with a lie. And here's the crazy thing is, do you know that when you are in a relationship with Jesus, when the creator of the universe is madly in love with you, when you're in a relationship with Christ, I want you to know that every fear is covered and there's truly no reason to ever lie. For those that are profit liars, I want you to know that getting the business deal, getting the sale, getting the promotion, and getting the job is not how well you can lie. But the Bible says that God is our provider. He is the one who meets every need we have. I'm not depending on my lies. I'm depending on God's faithfulness to meet my needs and be my supply. Come on, somebody. For you that are, that are in this room, you know, who are power liars trying to impress everybody around you, you want to know something that's impressive? Let me tell you what's impressive. The Bible says that I am a child of the Most High God. There is no detail or circumstance. There is no bank account of money. There is no mansion you live in. There is no car you drive that is more impressive than being a child of the King. You cannot out-impress my resume of belonging to Jesus. See, all of a sudden, when you start to know truth, it starts to push out lies. 
When, uh, when we struggle with praise lives, when we struggle with trying to be accepted by everybody else, do you know the Bible says that me and you, that us together, that we are accepted in the beloved, that in Christ he accepts you for who you are, for where you are, for what you have, for what you've done, in spite of your sins, in spite of your struggles, where friends might look down at you, where people might turn up their nose at you. I want you to know that God puts his gaze right on us and we are accepted in Christ. Come on, somebody. We don't need the proof and the appraisal of men when we have it from God. Let's talk about protective line. Protective line. We feel like we got to cover our rear end and tell the truth. Do you know who covers my rear end? God covers it. The Bible says that he is my shield and he's my rear guard. He covers my front and he covers my back and he covers my side to side. Every battle, every struggle, everything I go into, God is our protector. God is the one who's covering us. We don't have to cover ourselves with lies when we're being covered by the God of truth. Are you all hearing me? Fear is what drives the lies. And so the next time you're in a situation and you feel the pressure to twist, to stretch, to spin the truth. Just remember who you are in Christ. Remember whose you are in Christ. That everything that's driving the language that's coming out of your mouth that's twisted and untrue isn't necessary when you're in a relationship with a living God. I love that. I love it. I don't need to lie. I can speak the truth because of who I belong to and who he is to me. So, when you read scripture, you find where lying comes from. And you know, there, there's a beginning to it, right? In fact, the Bible tells us where the beginning of lies comes from. Check it out. Jesus, he says this, and he's having a conversation with the religious leaders of his day. And they're claiming to be important because they're connected to Father Abraham. They're connected to the beginning of the Jewish family. And through that was significance, and through that was importance. In being connected to the beginning of the nation of Israel, Father Abraham, they were saying, we're, we're connected to God. And so Jesus is having a conversation with these religious leaders, and this is what he says. I love it. Watch this. Y'all read this with me. He says, no, you're imitating your real father. Anybody here just like their daddy? In a good way? In a not-so-good way? You say, I'll never, I'll never be like my daddy until, like, you get mad and then you are just like your daddy. Until things don't go your way and you are just like your daddy. Some of you got a temper just like your daddy. Some of you got an attitude just like your daddy. Some of you look just like your daddy. Some of you don't look nothing like your daddy. You got to question that. <laughs> anyway. He says, no, you're imitating your real father. Come on, watch this. They replied, we're not illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Like Jesus, no, we belong to God. Watch what Jesus says, verse 44. For you are, uh, you are the children of your father, the devil. Could you imagine Jesus saying that? Your daddy's the devil. Woo. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. Come on, read it with me. He was always hate, he's always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. Keep reading. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus tells us, do you know where lying comes from? Jesus says lying comes from the father of lies, the one who reproduces lies, the one who's at the pinnacle of lies, the one who's at the foundation of lies is Satan. In fact, when the Bible says that he was a liar and a murderer in the beginning, 
Do you know the very first time Satan steps on the stage of Scripture, he lies. The first time we find Satan, he's found in the book of Genesis, and he's having a conversation with Adam and Eve, and the very first thing that he does, the very first words out of his mouth is he lies to man about God. Right? Remember the story? God said, hey, uh, you can eat of any tree in this garden, but don't eat of this tree. The day that you eat this tree, the day you disobey me, you're going to surely die. What does Satan do? Satan the liar comes out and he says, hey, if you eat that, you're going to be just like God. And God lied. You're not going to die. First time on the stage of Scripture, he lies. Second time we see Satan on the stage of Scripture, we find him in heaven in a mist with a bunch of angels and the words coming out of his mouth. Come on, y'all know what they are? Lies. And they lie to God about man. Hey, Job, the only reason Job is serving you, God, the only reason he's worshiping you is because you've given him so much stuff. Satan is a liar. And so here's, here's why it's a big deal. Here's why lying, why it might feel like it's no big deal, why it's downplayed is no big deal is because when we exaggerate, when we fabricate, when we spin the truth, when we, stretch, when we stretch the truth, we are tying ourselves to Satan, who is a liar. We are looking more like his offspring than God's offspring. And so when you find in Scripture that lying is tied to Satan, the opposite true is true about God. Do you know that God is tied directly in Scripture with truth? In fact, Jesus said this. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Everybody shout truth. Jesus said, I am truth. You want to know what the standard is? You want to know what the straight line is? You want to know what the legit story is? Jesus said, I'm the truth. And so here's what we all need to know. Watch this. We are least, we are least like Christ when we lie because he's the truth. And most like Satan when we lie because he's the father of lies. Ooh, that's got some sting on it, don't it? When you speak truth, when you tell the truth, when the words that are upright, when the words that are straight coming out of your mouth, you are most like God because God's character in essence is truth. Now think about this. The Bible makes it clear that when we're born again, that we become children of God. And as children of God, we should reflect the character and the nature of our Father. And if the character and nature of our Father is truth, then come on, y'all, what should be coming out of our mouth is truth. But if what Jesus said is true, and it is, that Satan is the father of lies, then if your character, if the words coming out of your mouth are crooked, if they're slanted, if they're misrepresented, if they're blown up bigger than reality, if you're lying, then your Father isn't God because He's truth, you are looking more like your father who is, can't even say it, can you? Because while culture, culture tells us that it's really no big deal, lying is a huge deal. And so I want to drill down for just a couple more minutes. I want to drill down for a few more minutes, and I want to talk about really why this is, again, such a big deal. There's reasons we lie. There's reasons we're okay lying. Right? Here, here was a study that, that, that I read that... Um, uh, 74% of students admit to cheating on a test. This is college and high school. 74% of students admitted to cheating on a test within the last three months. Think about that. Three quarters of our students. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want the cat that's building the airplane that I'm flying on getting a degree based on lies. Help me somebody. 75%. Here's what's crazy is just five years ago, that number was 61%. Because lying is just becoming regular. It's just becoming consistent. It's just becoming a part of culture. It's just what we do. We just have to impress people. We just got to say whatever it takes to get ahead. We got to twist whatever it takes to fit in and to feel like we matter. And so we have become, and here's the thing is, if, if it's people that don't know Christ, that's one conversation. But today I'm talking to a room full of people that say they love Jesus and believes that Jesus loves them. And if that's true, his character should be regularly influencing and developing the character we have. And that means we need to be people who speak the truth. Now I'm just telling you, lying is easy. Telling the truth takes character. Telling the truth takes grit and takes steel. Lying doesn't take a backbone. Telling the truth takes a backbone. In fact, here's what I want you to hear. I want you to write this down in your notes. Listen to this. Lying limits our ability to hear truth and speak truth when it matters most. I want you to leave that up there. If you're here and you're caught up in the culture of lies, if you are caught up in the culture of profit lying, power lying, praise lying, or protective lying, if you feel like you've got to say whatever it takes... To get where you want to go, you got to hear this today, especially if you're a Christ follower. Lying limits our ability to hear truth and speak truth when it matters most. And here's why. Because the reason lying impacts your ability to hear truth is because if you're a liar, then you think everybody else is what? Come on, y'all, real quiet today. If you're a liar, you tend to think, well, if I'm lying, everybody else must be lying too. And so when someone like me stands up and starts telling you what the truth of God's word says, well, I know I lie, so preachers must lie too. When other people come into our circle of influence and try to speak into our life, we think, well, I'm a liar. Everybody else must be a liar too. And so I want you to understand this is so important that the way we grow into the people that we need to be, and I mean this just isn't spiritually, this is culturally, this is relationally, is for people getting up into our chili and speaking truth to us. People challenging us to be better. Teachers coming alongside of us. Coaches who are coming alongside of us and molding us and helping us. But if we think that because we're lying, again, we start casting a shadow of doubt into everybody else's words. And that keeps us from hearing truth. More importantly, remember what I told you in the beginning of this message, is that we shouldn't just be impacted. The gospel of Christ shouldn't just impact our hearts. It should impact the hearts around us. And I want you to know something. Once you get labeled a liar in your culture and in your relationships and in your circle of influence, it doesn't matter what you say. They will always think you're lying. Hey, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Go ahead, liar. Jesus changed my life. Is that right, liar? Come on, somebody. I want you to know that we have been, we have been entrusted with the truth of the gospel. We've been entrusted with the love and God's amazing grace that we can dish it out, that we can pass it on, that we can tell our friends and our family members about how amazing God is. But if we lied about the job, we lied about the date, lied about the car, lied about the promotion, and people start knowing when you're lying, when you start telling truth, they stop believing you because you're known to be a liar and not a truth teller. 
And the most important thing we can do is to be people of integrity. So when we stand up and talk about how good our God is, we talk about how amazing he is. We talk about the grace that he gives us. We talk about the life change we can experience. People should stand up and take notice because he's a person that tells the truth. And if he told the truth about his job, his car, his family, his lifestyle, his attitude, then he's telling the truth about God too. And we need to be truth dealers in the world that we live. So for all of you in this room that have somehow made line, no, big deal. I want you to know that it's a very big deal because you're lying, your deception, your twisting, your slandering is limiting your heart from hearing the truth that you need to hear to change. And it's impacting the ability of hearers around you from hearing the truth that you need to speak. And so... How do we deal with it? Here's what the Bible says in dealing with this issue. Come on, one more scripture says this. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Stop. So God's saying, hey, I just want you to know, come on, I just want you to know that there are some things that no longer belong in this part of your new life. Everybody shout your old life. Everybody shout your new life. When you come to Jesus, you got an old life and you got a new life. And, and we start moving. We start taking stuff off that don't belong, like old attitude and, and old character and old ways. That, like some of you used to punch people instead of like talk to them like a civil human being. Some of you were in prison. Some of you made bad decisions. Some of you dealt with your issues through like right alcohol and drugs. But some of you, come on, we got to throw it off. Everybody shout, throw it off. Because that's the old way. Now we deal with it with God's strength and God's peace and God's wisdom. Now we deal with people like in a normal way. God starts helping us overcome anger. And God starts helping us deal with our issues. And all of a sudden we put off old stuff and we put on new stuff. That's part of that lifestyle of growing up in Christ. One of the funniest things that I've seen at times is, and i just seen recently, I think there's some 20-year class reunions here and there. Anybody here been to a class reunion this, this summer? couple of you guys, right? One of the funniest things that I think is, is when you're like in your 20 years, some of you are like, 20 years? Good Lord, he's old. When you get to like 20 and 25 years is when you go back to these class reunions and there's the dude that looks like, dresses like, talks like, exactly like he did when he's in high school. He's still living in mama's basement. He's still hanging out at the 7-Eleven, getting a Slurpee every Friday. Right, you know those people, like, they never change. They're still driving like that 1978 Pinto, and they're working at McDonald's, and they ain't even the manager yet. It's like, good Lord, grow up. It's time to put off the old. It's time to put on the new. It's part of the natural process of things of growing up. And for all of us in this room, I want you to hear this. What Paul is saying is there's stuff in your life that doesn't belong because it's a part of your old life. And so you have to intentionally make a decision to evaluate who you are, where you are, how you act, and how you live, and ask this question. In light of Christ's grace, and in light of who I am, what no longer should go with me into this next stage of life? And he says, as you do that, you're going to recognize that there's some stuff that you're going to say is a former way of living. Now, in the culture we live this world will tell you that lying is a present part of living. But here's what the Bible says, last verse, verse 25, watch this. So stop 
telling lies. If I can insert in here, I will. Stop telling even little white ones because there's no such thing. Like we're not going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, hey, let's talk about your lying problem. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's just be clear. Those were just little white ones. And God's going to be like, well, let me scratch that one off. So stop telling lies. Come on, read it with me. Let us tell our neighbor the truth, for we are all part of the same body. So be a truth dealer. Be a truth dealer because it sets your heart up to receive truth. Be a truth dealer because it sets up your relationships to be a person of character and integrity that you can speak truth into their life. And they may not like it. They may not agree with you, but they're going to say, I don't know if I believe it, but I know they believe it. And that's the first step to impacting other people. Again, it's easy to tell a lie. It takes guts. It takes integrity. It takes a backbone to tell the truth. My wife and I, this, uh, this past Friday, we, had, uh, we worked in the uh, concession stand up at Brooks High School. Good Lord. I'm just going to tell you, this area drinks way too much pop or Coke or whatever you want to call it. Eat too many cheeseburgers, too many hot dogs, and too much popcorn. I'm like, good Lord, how many nachos can one football stadium eat? So we got, we got invited to, to help with that. And so my wife and I, we had worked out earlier. So in my mind, I'm going to work in a kitchen. I'm going to be hot and sweaty. I'm not there to impress anybody. So I went, worked out. I came home, changed shirts, cleaned up a little bit. And I was like, I'm ready to go. My wife never goes anywhere. My wife will never, ever. My wife wakes up looking good. I'm just telling you. And she never goes out of the house without taking care of herself. So she comes out of the bathroom, looks like we're going on a date. I'm like, you know we're going working in a kitchen, right? She looks at me this way. I promise. She's like, you're not wearing that, are you? And I said, well, I was going to, but evidently I'm not. So she's, I was like, listen, we're going to be in a kitchen. It's going to be hot. I'm going to be sweating anyway. She's like, you just need to go change. Now, I'm just telling you, in the closet, I had a little bit of attitude. My, I had some butt hurt. I think that's a southern term. Like, I didn't like what she said. But when I came out, I had just a little something different. I was like, now there, that's better. Don't you feel better? Nope. <laughs> but I'm glad I have a wife that loves me enough to speak truth to me, even if I don't want to hear it. Come on, everybody. Everybody shout truth. I want to challenge you. If you're somebody that stretches, exaggerates, fabricates the words that come out of your mouth, you don't have to make it happen on your own. You don't have to get the promotion on your own. You don't have to get friends on your own. We belong to the living God who covers our life with his grace. And the more we speak the truth, we attract God's presence because he's a God of truth. And so I want to pray with you today that if you're here and it's been no big deal, that God, and maybe already through this message, has been making it a very big deal in your heart. And that today you'd make the decision to take off the old, to stop telling lies, and to start telling the truth. Will you all bow your heads and your hearts with me? Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, for something that has been minimized, God, for something that has been made so... uh, of such small importance, God. We've even labeled it little white lies. 
But I pray today in the name of Jesus that, Father, we would see your perspective on this issue. That, God, we would hear it's something that you detest. It's something that's an abomination to you. And that because we're your children, that, God, we would bear your character. Because you are a God of truth, we would be people of truth. And so, Lord, I pray that, God, we would not be driven or motivated by fear, but we would trust because we are your children. That, Father, you will handle the situations that we do not need to manipulate with our words. And, Father, we commit this day to begin to be in our relationships, in our friendships, at work, at home, on the job, in school, people of integrity and people of truth. In our marriages, in our homes, with our friends, we will be people of truth. With your head bowed, with your eyes closed, will you just ask God, God, help me be a person of truth. Come on, ask him, God, help me be a person of truth. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank God today?